2: 18 plus
3: from variety celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment this is the award circuit podcast
0: you know sometimes 12 years pass in a snap and sometimes two minutes feel like eternity and i think that to me is the way that time feels to us as people. Uh, It is subjective. It is stretches and it shrinks.
3: I'm Clayton Davis. And on this episode of the award winning Variety Award Circuit podcast, we're talking with Past Lives writer and director Celine Song about her experience with making her love story and how times change everything. And later, we check in with Past Lives star Greta Lee about arguably one of the best performances on film in 2023. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Past Lives tells the story of Nora, played by Greta Lee, and Hei Sun, played by T. two childhood friends who reunite 20 years later after Nora's family immigrates to the U.S. Now as adults, they wrestle with their unresolved connection and what it means for their destiny. John McGarrow is her husband, a bit stuck in the middle of it all. Is he attractive?
1: I think so. He's really masculine in this way that I think is so Korean. Are you attracted to him? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. And then he was just this image on my laptop. And now he is a physical person it's really intense but i don't think that that's attraction i think i just missed him a lot i think i miss soul
3: did he miss you
1: i think he missed the 12 year old crybaby he knew a long time ago
3: you were a crybaby
1: yeah most of the time he'd have to just stand there and watch me when is he leaving again
3: Past Lives writer and director Celine Song handles the delicate themes of love and destiny surrounding the Korean Buddhist concept of Inyon, the connection, fate, and destiny of two people. However, the South Korean-Canadian playwright had her own revelation while making her directorial debut. I recently spoke with Song about her experience making the movie, including its heartbreaking final scene. We began by discussing where the idea for Past Lives came from.
0: To me the uh, you know i 've been working as a playwright for ten years, and so uh, what I really uh, learned when I was making my first movie is that the things that I um, do in theater, which is story, character, dialogue, blocking, things like mm-hmm. that, those are actually the things that I expected of a film director to do mm-hmm. so to me, the transition was so much more about um, changing mediums and mm-hmm. the way that we were uh, with the way that I was having to uh, change the medium was really uh, more about. Uh, thinking about time and space differently because time and space in theater works very differently than time and space in, in film. Uh, in theater, it is uh, time and space is figurative. Um, and in film, it, it is seen literally. It is seen and heard uh, literally. So to me, that really was the biggest transition through all of it. When it comes to, like, for example, working with actors, my amazing actors, um, the, the rules are the same. It is about um, finding the most uh, alive, Uh, performance you can um, given given the all the constraints and all the uh, you know like we were saying earlier it's like you know on set it's like you're always running out of time you know
3: (laughs) and and, Um, and as a playwright and you know watching the film like you, you you start playing with different versions of it in, inside your own head. As a, as a viewer, I'm pl- I'm playing around with it. And I wondered. I was like, could this be a play? Like, could 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 I see this on stage? And I was like, yeah, you could. Like, you, you can totally do something like that. It, was there um different versions of this, or, or was it always a movie? Like, even part of me was like, is this like a limited series, full season? <laughs> like, growing up, you know, all the way beginning to end, same story, just uh more detail. Was that ever possible?
0: I think uh, for me, no, because I think it was always meant to be uh, done cinematically, uh-huh. because it first of all needed the kind of visual storytelling that uh, film uh, affords. Uh-huh. And it also, uh, and a part of it is that, you know, like uh, Seoul and Seoul in Korea and New York City in, in the US, like those two cities need to feel like they're you know, crashing into each other in Mm -hmm. this film and they have to coexist and then they have to be so completely different and the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that those contradictions when it comes to uh, locations was such an important part of this film. Like finding locations was really mainly what I uh, (laughs) did working on this film. Right.
3: That's a, that's a whole separate Oscar category that needs to come (laughs) soon. Especially the, the place where uh, the kids stand in Seoul um, when they're at the park um, and the moms are talking, the, the, Kind of the stat, st- like yes. the yeah, like, yeah. You, how long did it take to find that?
0: Well, I think that place in particular, uh, because what I'm trying to do is uh, reverse engineer what uh, childhood was like in Korea. So mm. because we shot everything in New York City and then we went to Korea and we prepped it there and then we shot uh, everything in Seoul. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I was reverse engineering um, uh, childhood memories. <laughs> <laughs> so I had already sh- we had, I had already shot the Madison Square Park. Okay. And from there, um from there we're I'm actually trying to uh find a, a piece of this museum that actually uh kind of has a conversation with this s- shots in yeah. Madison Square Park. So it was kind of a thing where I found a location connected to oh uh, what they will then run into in their adulthood. So you're just
3: a lucky little debut director <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> well, you know, you just go,
0: actually what I was thinking, of, I was actually at that museum because I was actually more interested in the singing man, mm. which is the, uh, the man, uh, when they're hanging out, uh, in the museum in childhood and during their date, um, you know, the, there is a really big metallic man who is singing and that's, The reason why I wanted was interested in that uh, museum because also that museum is one of the only museums that um, remains the way it is since the 90s. So I was interested in the museum and then I was just looking through their catalog (laughs) and then I found this uh, sculpture and then I was like, oh, this is how, uh, where they should uh, play because that sculpture uh, looks like uh, two uh, people. And their holes uh, where their uh, thoughts should be, their brain should be. Mm-hmm. And um, if the kids are poking into uh, those holes, there is something that is very direct uh, as a metaphor yeah. um, for what is happening to these two characters. And because this uh, this particular artwork is so close to the um, parking lot, <laughs> 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 so if you were to move, you know, so the framing that shot was Just a smidge to the literally right, literally like one inch it would be uh, the parking lot. (laughs) Just a Buick. Um, (laughs) Just (laughs) a straight-up Buick. So, you know, in that particular shot, it was more about, you know, like making sure that we don't get the parking lot, you know?
3: (laughs) That's a shout-out to cinematographer uh, Shabir, like, like just knowing uh, how to stay still. (laughs) Of
0: course. And I think that's, to me, it's like, uh, so much of what we're talking about locations has... Is so connected to the way we uh, see a location together because mm. some of the most important uh, locations in the film are locations that are ordinary, mm. or and uh, they're ordinary and they're areas where are uh, places where um, if if you live in New York City, you may walk by and it may become your home. And for a tourist, it will not mean anything. You mm. will not think to stop and take a photo there. So it's really about finding the extraordinary, extraordinary moments in the ordinary places. Yeah. And to me, that is the project of the whole film.
3: Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: you, can, you, can, you, you can edit, yes? Yeah, 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 yeah go, 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 go. no editing <laughs> at <laughs> yeah. all. Um, the-
3: <laughs> Enter coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um. um actually just actually to, to the uh, picture that you when you say that it makes me think now of the scene where Greta takes a shot of tu uh when they meet in New York and they're standing at the water and she's like, let me take a picture of you mm-hmm. and then he <laughs> I just love the way he stands here he's like like lets <laughs> her do it but um it's yeah he doesn't think to take one he, she's like yeah take a picture here like this is like brooklyn it's like the water
0: (laughs) well i think Uh, that's the thing i think that's to me the whole project because of course these locations are ordinary but then they uh have extraordinary meaning to the people who uh live there and have had uh moments there and similarly that's also true about their lives right they're just moments in their lives um you know the whole film is trying to capture the moments in their lives where even though they are three ordinary people and to an outside viewer, you may think that they're not going through anything extraordinary. Yeah. But because of uh, the subjectivity of the characters, some of these moments are uh, massive, like the two minutes that they are uh, waiting for the Uber, for oh, example. Yes. <laughs> and it's meant to feel—it's meant to feel like eternity, right? And that's truly the at the heart of how I wanted to uh, move time in the film, mm-hmm. which is that you know sometimes twelve years pass in a snap, and sometimes two minutes. Uh, feel like eternity. Yeah. And I think that to me is the way that uh, time feels to us as people. Mm. Uh, it is subjective. It, is, it stretches and it shrinks.
3: I love the way you, you, you put that. And I and listen, I'm going to... I don't like to do this to the directors, but I'm going to do this to you right now. You're going to... Um, you know, settle a competition between me and my wife
2: about this movie
3: because <laughs> we have two very big different interpretations, which is uh, a big hallmark of a great filmmaker. Um, for me, <laughs> I describe it like this, six, se- like the Sixth Sense level twist is that John McGarrow's not the villain. Like like it's the twist of the movie. It's like he's, he's not evil. He's actually a delightful man and you, your heart breaks for him. My wife watching it, she was interpreting. She was like, "This is almost abusive." Like, like she feels like bad for him that she that he's being put through this ordeal, so she can, you know, settle like a feeling inside her from like you know put something to bed from like a long time ago. And we were, were having a hot debate about it, and I was like, you know. not not every couple is the same like for us that would not work like if i came and i was like listen my old girlfriend from when i was a kid is gonna come around she'd be like uh yeah no she's not coming to the house (laughs) but i was like but for everyone else it's just it's it people are different and i wanted to know where the inspiration of that setup came from um and then how you've Handled those different interpretations of it because you know there are people like me who see it as a straight up love story. That it's not, but love stories don't mean that they end up together in the end. Or that they should be together in the end. It just you know they were. It was a beautiful love story when they were kids, and then now it's, it's not. But can you talk a little bit to that?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that you know, to me. uh I think w- exactly what you're saying when it comes to uh, every relationship is completely different, mm-hmm. right? So I think in this situation also, I think it would be one thing if uh, uh, Nora and Hesong were uh, proper exes. Mm-hmm. They held children. They they held hands as children.
3: Mm-hmm. They
0: had a bit of a pen pal over Skype, yeah. you know, relationship.
3: They never kissed.
0: They nothing ever, you know, really happened. And uh, the possibility is something that was. Uh, left in that corner in Seoul uh, when they were children. Mm -hmm. So when we flash back at the end of the film uh, to uh, the two of them in childhood, uh, I wanted to light it in the dark because I wanted to imply that the kids have been waiting for 24 years to get this goodbye. So this movie is about getting the goodbye that both Mm. of them deserve. Mm. Because when uh, when Nora immigrates as a child, as a 12-year-old, um, they're meant to say uh, goodbye at that moment, they but don't. the problem, yes, exactly, because you're you're too young. You're too young to know how to say goodbye. So the movie is actually uh, so much less about um, who's going to get together with whom and and uh, who's meant to be with whom. It's more like, well, actually, um, this goodbye that they were owed as children, and it's not just a goodbye to a person. It's goodbye to a country, goodbye to a language, goodbye mm-hmm. to a part of herself, goodbye to the twelve year old self that. Uh, Nora was oh. and they're actually getting to say goodbye in that moment so to me what's what was of course important about more than anything what i wanted arthur to be is uh is is again not a villain yeah right? nah. because the thing is like arthur i don't expect when arthur enters the film when he walks into the film i don't expect anybody in the audience to root for him Right, yeah. because so far for the first um, hour or so, yeah, or it just, I, honestly, it's even less. It's like yeah. forty minutes of the film. <laughs> it's you're actually um, going to uh, f- uh, feel connected to the relationship that uh, Nora and her childhood sweetheart has on have. Mm-hmm. So when Arthur comes in, who's very much a, a the third person in this uh, in this relationship, he he is going to. I don't expect anybody to root for him and be on his side. Yeah. But the th- truth is that, like the thing that you know, John Magara and I have been uh, pr- have pursued for this film is that, um, well, he's going to fight for his life in this movie. Right? He's going to fight back. He's going to show up. And the way that he's going to fight back is to be, um, again, not a jerk, mm-hmm. but also somebody who's capable of uh, deep love and understanding and uh, total care. Because yeah. the thing is like, you know, the masculinity in this movie is uh, very important to oh, me. Oh,
3: I love that yeah. you said it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it is
0: so important to me yes. because to me it's the masculinity that I love. It's a masculinity yeah. that I uh, I want to see a uh, see depicted because it's the masculinity in the in the men that I love in my own life. Uh, I think the way more... he is
3: wrapped around her in bed. <laughs> I was talking about this with Greta. I was like because why her performance is so profound is i i told her i was like you're doing so much physically that i think untrained eye you think like like You know, if you're not a cinephile, you're just watching like, oh, it's a, it's a woman, like just walking around, moving in a, in a film. But she does so much physically with her body language and in bed when he is wrapped around her and he has his leg straddled her, which my wife said (laughs) to me at the moment, she was like, I would die if like she was, she was, she just hates like the bed cuddling thing. (laughs) So I was just like, whatever. Um, but we were sitting there and then I was like, but this is, it's almost like a role reversal, but not so blatantly. Like obvious, like she's a man, he's a woman. It's just, it was just a different take on a relationship that we don't see a lot. And it's not that like he's weak. It's just that he loves, like, you know, he loves her Mm -hmm. so much. Yes. And the heartbreak, that's a, this comes six sense level twist when he's like, you know, pouring his heart out. He's like, I don't think uh, I'm enough for you. And, uh, I'm like paraphrasing it terribly, but mm-hmm. we get really choked up in bed. It it's it's so you don't see that a lot in movies. You don't see that someone really feels inadequate, but not inadequate because like it's an abusive relationship, but like I think feels like, you know, I I'm gonna spend the rest of my life trying to amount to the man i know you deserve and want
0: well to me i feel like the, even the language of inadequacy is mm. uh uh this uh i think a complete misunderstanding of what mm. ma- masculinity is mm. because to me um what i what i think what, what i personally consider masculinity is this actually the internal strength to uh put aside um what they themselves need because the person that they care about person that they feel they need to uh uh, be on the side of or mm. and to protect um need something right so because it's like i don't think it's true that our arthur in the film and then the work that john and i were doing uh with arthur is that like he does not care or he's okay with it he's fine with it the oh, truth yeah. is that he is um he is feeling everything that <laughs> you can possibly feel yeah. knowing that not only that this is just another uh guy because this is somebody who it's it. because to me i don't want to fall into the language of like oh it's it's this is a man it is another man it's more like well the truth is that this is somebody who holds a key to his wife that Mm. he's never been able to have and it's not a fault of anyone it's not because Nora um, is uh, not letting him have it and it's also not because um, Arthur is failing to have it it's that that's just how it is when you uh, love someone who's from a different place Mm. you know there is a Key. Like she
3: dreams in, in korean yeah, yeah exactly
0: so he has a she, she he does not have a key to a part of her that um i know that he the character really really wants to know and that's what that speech is about in the bed mm. what he's talking about is i want to know you i want to know the whole of you and i'm trying to learn korean
3: mm. right is, is there is there a fear i guess uh, now this is a follow-up uh is there a fear that he has that um that her childhood love has the key in that is is he also asking that in the scene? Well,
0: I think that I think without question, the childhood love has the key to her that he doesn't personally have. But the truth is, um, and this is something that Hesong knows about Arthur, which is that, well, Arthur, as somebody who was married to her, Mm -hmm. um, has a, has a different key, has a completely different key Mm. that Hesong also wonders about as well. So near the end in the bar, when it's just the two men and they're talking about, um, Uh, how they are inyan, which inyan is a concept, of course, uh, about uh, the kind of ineffable uh, feeling that we have, Mm -hmm. a feeling connected to each other that feels like we've known each other for many lifetimes, and that's what inyan is. And these two men call each other inyan, because the thing is that, you know, um, both, yes, of course, Arthur uh, sees haesong and sees that uh, he has a key that he himself does not have. But the same thing is true about haesong. Because Hesong is also looking at Nora uh, and sees that see that she's no longer the 12-year-old girl that he remembers. Yeah. And the person who has key to the person who is no longer a 12-year-old girl is the man who lives with her in the city. Yeah. In the city that uh, is home for Nora, but for Hesong, it is uh, a strange land, right? So to me, it's like, it's 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 really, uh, it's always yeah. to me about, well, both of these men, and, and by the way, when these two men see that the other guy has the key to her that they themselves do not have, uh, the thing does, that does not happen is Hesong doesn't start, you know, punching uh, Arthur, and Arthur doesn't start, like, you know, tackling Hesong. Yeah, yeah. What happens to them is that they look at each other and they say, well, actually, it is just a fact of life that uh, only together are we going to, do we have the, the, the keys that unlocks all of this one woman? Mm. and uh instead of um being resentful being awful to each other they're saying it's like i'm so glad you're here yeah i'm so glad you're here because i know she needs that i know she's happy
3: and that's and that's like be hard for people to understand I, I like i didn't fault my wife for her interpretation because like as i was watching it i was like i don't like i don't think i could be arthur like it's uh, that's a very different like that's why he's like the hero <laughs> of this of this movie and he allows um her to go through this process and like that's I mean we all are in need of some therapy in life but like god <laughs> a therapist would probably like, you know sometimes you very, uh, the simplistic uh, term you know let the bird go if it comes back it's yours like it literally is like that <laughs> physical manifestation of kind of what's happening a little bit there i I have to ask now now that i'm wondering is this kind of like an indian universe that you're building like are we gonna get like different versions of this
0: i think we live in in an indian universe ourselves because i feel like in our lives i feel like even the smallest connections that we have in our lives Mm -hmm. um there's a way to think of it as like well it doesn't matter right you know like you and i are here in Middleburg, yeah you know how amazing that we're both here yeah and we can treat it in a couple ways right we can treat it as like well you and i are here because and it's for work mm-hmm. so who cares maybe i'll never see each other again and it doesn't mean anything it's would be this terrible just work, right <laughs> yeah okay and of course but then there's another way of talking thinking about it and talking about it where you're like well actually it's how amazing that you you and I, we've been trying to have a conversation, and we actually ended up in Middleburg together. Mm-hmm. How magical. Yeah. And here, here we both we passed each other outside. Yeah. And we almost ran into each other, but instead we met in this room. Mm-hmm. And maybe that means that, you know, 200 lifetimes ago, uh, we were something else to each other, right? Maybe we were um, actually family, you know and i think that's how we ended up here because after 200 lifetimes in this one uh we end up here and maybe 200 lifetimes before that maybe we w- maybe you and i were married right mm. and maybe 200 lifetimes before that maybe um you know you and I were enemies and we 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 really hurt each other. We were dinosaurs for yeah, sure. We, <laughs> <were>, we were <laughs> fighting. We're, murdering each other. And <laughs> yep. and in and in, and in this particular life um we're going to have this conversation about this movie and this movie is my very first movie. Yeah. So anybody I'm talking to about my very first movie is very special to me yeah. because uh making my first movie was so special. Um and it's because uh you know, this movie is about this woman who is having a self-revelation, who is having a realization that she left this 12-year-old uh, girl behind and that that girl deserves mourning. That's why she's crying at the end. She's crying at the end because uh, she didn't get to say goodbye and and uh, have a good cry at the end of her uh, yeah. saying goodbye to her 12-year-old self when she was 12 because she was too young to know the I weight love, of I that. love
3: the cry at the end because yeah. I knew it was it, like – Again, you people interpret it differently. Like I was, I was watching. I was like, she, if she said goodbye to, she knows she's never going to see him again, and she like you can mourn that, but it wasn't like I wish I was going with him. It was just like no. no, he left.
0: Of course, and like then,
3: I never for once thought she was going to leave. No, I, I, and no. I was glad I had that feeling because if yeah. she left, I would have been furious with you and we wouldn't <laughs> be talking right now. Well, but, but I was watching, right. I was like, I, I don't, I don't know like i know she's not going to leave but what is she going to do like what yeah. is he going to do i it was he totally. was the the mystery to me yeah. of what his next move would be
0: well you know but i think it's like but uh, what can you do in that situation where uh somebody's uh grieving uh grieving a uh a part of themselves that they never got to grieve. Yeah. And a part, what's amazing for Arthur is that he gets to see his wife as a crybaby, mm-hmm. which he at one point says he doesn't know her as yeah. that. So what an amazing thing that like, he got, also got what he wanted, yeah. which is to meet his wife as a 12-year-old kid you Know at the end of the film, which she thought was an impossibility. Oh, I didn't
3: see that as a 12 year old yeah. kid, yes. But, yeah.
0: So, but the thing is, it's like you know, it's a movie about uh these revelations that this one woman has uh over this over the course of her life, but of course, in this one night, yeah. And to me, uh, it, it felt really special to me that um, I uh, was also having a revelation of my own, which is that uh, I'm a filmmaker which i didn't know until yeah. i started making the movie and i think and a weeks great weeks.
3: one like a <laughs> fabulous one i'm telling you like I, it, it, like I swear to god i feel like i'm unpunked i'm like i think she was directing like i think she directed badlands back in the 70s like i don't i, th- I think celine song's been here the whole time she's under pseudonyms and stuff like she's alter ego it, it's it's baffling like first movies and there's a lot of you guys this year Corey jefferson another one of american fiction like i'm like where like where have you guys been and it's and it, and i don't know if, and this kind of goes into my last two questions when does the moment kick in to you at some point in your life where you're when, when you say to yourself i want to make a movie i want to be a filmmaker what is it what would you can you recall the moment that did it for you that you were like i need to i need to do this
0: Well, I think that it really, again, was connected to what the story is, what this particular movie is. This movie really uh, uh, called for it to be made into a film. Uh, And I uh, wrote the script, uh, not sure if they were going to uh, let me uh, direct it or even make the movie, right? Because that's the truth of it. It's like, that's the thing about uh, writing an original script that is, uh, you know, a spec, right? When when I'm writing this spec, there is a very real thing where I'm... uh, you know, so when I was writing this script, uh, final draft didn't support uh, the Korean alphabet. So I actually wanted to write the script bilingually because, of course, it's a bilingual film and it's about a bilingual woman. So I wanted to write it uh, bilingually because I myself am a bilingual yeah. person. And uh, be- when the you know industry standard uh, program does not support. Uh, the way you want to write this, there is a really funny thing where it makes you feel like uh, nobody really actually wants this movie. you know. So that's always a hurdle. Like e- even Final Draft can't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. So yeah. It, there's a bit of a... It's kind of like... It's an implicit way of uh, Im- saying that um, it, they're not interested in the story like this. So the only thing I could really do is to write this for myself. So I really was thinking about it very much as something that I'm writing... Um, Uh, you know, being like, you know, maybe it'll be a spec, and they'll let me write other movies (laughs) because of this movie. And to me, when I got to uh, make this movie, it really was such an uh, amazing thing because I could feel that um, I could do it the way I wanted, you know. And um, that, of course, is uh, to uh, amazing credit to my producers uh, who fought for me and uh, protected me so that I can make it exactly the way I Mm -hmm. want. And, of course, uh, the studio. Um, that also like, you know, treated me like I was an auteur of, uh, f- 50 years. Like, he, you know, I really, um, this the movie that you see, uh, is my director's cut, you know? <laughs> that's good. Yeah, so there is, exactly.
3: there is no Celine song cut out there. That's like, this
0: is the Celine song. Cut. This is it. <laughs> yeah, this that's is good. It. <laughs>
3: that's good to know. Oh my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> all right. The follow up, And I, I can only imagine that you're going to tell me everything. What are you working on next? <laughs> <gasps>
0: Um, I, uh, I'm working on other movies, another original, original movie Gen- and, uh, genre, um, I'll I'll tell you one day. Oh. You know what it is? I feel like next time uh, you and I are gonna uh, have a conversation about <laughs> this movie, but this is my next movie, and we're gonna we're gonna be sitting in Middleburg, maybe, yeah, yeah, and true. have this conversation. We, again, that's we'll our we'll new rule. We only talk in exactly, Middleburg, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we do this, and then uh, at the end, you're gonna ask me about the movie that comes after, mm-hmm. and I will say I'll evade the question again. Yeah, and
3: that's ages. <laughs> I keep ducking and dodging.
0: Exactly.
3: Uh, so I, the final the. Actually, there is kind of a final question. Tell me, I did tell have me. one. Yeah, since so you're sitting with the awards editor for Variety, oh. and uh, love me some uh, representation and historical feats, <laughs> and uh, pretty sure, you know, never want to call it so early, but I feel like I'm going to hear a Celine Song's name called on Oscar morning of a nomination, and I just wanted to know. I mean, it could, could be in various ways, maybe. Maybe, you know, I feel very good about original screenplay, but who knows? Director, picture, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. What does a moment like that? I know you don't make these things for Oscars. No one does. But for your first movie, (laughs) if it gets Oscar attention, what does that do to you? What does that feel like?
0: Well, I think that it is. I I don't know if there's a... uh there's a creative answer for this Mm -hmm. because I think the answer is like, Oh, that would be amazing. That would be so thrilling and incredible. And to me, what always makes me so happy is that like those, those are the kinds of things that makes me feel like uh, the audience is connecting or the world is connecting. And to me, it always makes me feel less lonely when I know that um, uh, people are connecting to this movie that is so personal and that is so uh, specific and to know that it is such a universal thing, that it is such an epic thing for audiences and, uh, and everyone, to me, it, it just makes me feel uh, less alone.
3: That's Past Lives director and writer, Celine Song. And after the break, we talk to Past Lives star, Greta Lee. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Past Lives star Greta Lee visited Variety back in June before the beginning of the SAG-AFTRA strike began, and when she stopped by, she was laid back and so charismatic. In Past Lives, her performance is one of the best of the year's first half, I'd argue, even all of 2023. Igniting passion from audiences, as awards enthusiasts want to see her nominated, for Best Actress. Her inclusion would follow the historic win of Michelle Yeoh from Everything Everywhere All At Once, who became the first Asian and second woman of color after Halle Berry for 2001's Monster Ball to take home the prize. Lee's sensitive and commanding presence is just as worthy. We began by discussing how Lee first got involved with past lives.
1: I love, actually, that the beginning of the story is a very boring story, actually. I just opened up my email. I opened up my email. I had a script that was sent to me. I didn't know who the writer was. I didn't know anything about it. And I think I had just like a one-line message from one of my reps asking, do you speak Korean? You speak Korean, right? <laughs> Something like that. Um, and even the answer to that question becomes complicated and part of all of this the process of making the movie. And at the time, I was like, um if you can imagine, like, I don't know. Like I, so again, I'll say that for later, but I opened up the PDF and I, you know, sat down, got myself ready to read it. um, And I read it in one sitting and I cried a lot. Um, And um, was, yeah, I mean, just so incredibly moved by it and surprised. It was really different than anything that I'd read before. For so many reasons. Yeah. I mean, I, it was an A24 movie. It's an American movie. And yet most of it was in a different language. And just that seemed like such a flex. Like it, it was shot in New York. It felt like such a quintessential New York movie. But it was in Korean. And that blew my mind.
3: It also is like one of the most Brooklyn movies ever made. Ever, <laughs> like right? And that's so, so personal Brooklyn. to me. Like, yeah. You know, I
1: had someone <laughs> as someone who spent a lot of time there, I mm. um, and I saw a lot of myself in it in ways that, frankly, it was kind of uncomfortable. Like, mm. it felt, like, very, like, oh, no. Like, yeah, my life, gonna, Kind song. of. Okay. And, like, oh, we're going to show that? Like, mm. are we allowed to? Um, and I read it, and I put myself on tape, and I didn't get the job. So, again, a very kind of, like, quintessential Hollywood story, this is what happens. Mm. My job is auditioning and getting rejected. Yeah. That is the essence of my job. Yeah. Um, and... uh I will say, though, the process of putting myself on tape was this surprising reminder of, of like, oh, my gosh, my capacity for language, like, Korean, right. Like, it's hard to explain, but it almost felt like a reminder of something that I'd forgotten, that Korean was my first language, that I grew up in an immigrant family, and that was my cultural experience of being bilingual and having all of that. But at that point, I had been working and operating within the industry for enough time that that was, like, really – just not part of my current experience at that time. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I didn't get the job. Um, I was, I just, it just seemed very final. Like that's not my job. I can't wait to see this movie. Yeah. And like, dang, this is really gonna blow someone up. Like this. Can, is can I amazing. just ask? Is this
3: like pre Minari or like or It was like after? Is right after? Oh, so yeah. you're like, so we're already like in a really cool American Korean mood. Like, we were, uh, like, like,
1: but I thought like. Like, our time was up.
3: Oh, yeah. It's, like, that
1: terrible – I mean, the, the, like, painful reality is, like, I – We get one of assumed, Yeah, Yeah. you only get one. Okay, enough. Next. Right? Um, But I knew what kind of support that it had. It was very impressive what kind of backing it had. Um, And then – I had heard that it got recast uh, – not recast, cast. Um, and then somehow um, at a year after I auditioned, I got a call totally out of the blue that was like, hey, you remember that movie Past Lives? I think you really loved it. Are you able to meet with the director-writer like now? <laughs> I kind of was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, You're like, sure. Uh, there's a
3: pandemic going on right yeah, now. Yeah, like, uh, like,
1: <laughs> exactly. Like I'm just sitting here. I know. <laughs> like I – Okay, oh, fine. Sure. I'll find the time mm-hmm. to do that. Um, and I met her on Zoom, and we read some scenes together, just the two of us. And we had this conversation that really – I mean, that was my introduction to her, the writer of the script, that I was so blown away by. And then to meet her and understand who was behind it was I, was totally wild um, and unexpected. She was so – um shockingly clear and precise about exactly what she was thinking and the way she wanted to tell the movie uh, uh, tell the story not just narratively um not just tonally but cinematically um and i i was totally floored by her i was like yeah y- yes <laughs> um and we connected on the on this, at the time, the dream of the movie we were gonna try to make. Yeah. And then she told me I got the job, like pretty much on the spot. And I've tried to play it super cool and was like, "All right, uh, talk to you later." Talk to me. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll see. And hung up and like screamed and cried and took a bunch of selfies, which yeah. is like a weird impulse, but like I wanted to like have some sort of evidence of what but happened. This happened, so and I, can I be, dealt like, this. guys like this. This did happen. Oh
3: my god! Yeah, that's. So in and to dive in and we're going to talk some spoiler stuff so mm, uh, okay. because it's uh, it's very very important and it's also the highest grossing film of all time now by the time you're listening to this right we're going to just put it out there
1: oh god it's a oh yeah highest grossing of, of all time. time yeah 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 like it,
3: uh, it, it, it's sure, billions now. and billions yeah, Exactly. good luck everybody else yeah sorry spider-man yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so Nora and what and I think you and I been feeling this kinship in just this very uh, short time that we've been together. But Nora, as she is moving throughout the film, there is a sense of, this, I guess, Celine's brilliance as a writer, there's such a conversation on masculinity Hmm. in the film. Mm -hmm. Even outside of like the men in Nora's life, It's also regarding the way Nora is in the world and the way she uh, interacts with uh, these two men in in her life. And there's, it never becomes like a crutch of like, she's the man in the relationship and let's make this painfully obvious for people that she calls the shots or Mm. she calls the shots of her life. Like there is a vulnerability to her that like, and this is the brilliance of you as an actor, is that there are. There are moments I can almost see like that Nora goes, I'm gonna let this down for just the briefest of moments and let the audience see what's happening, but I gotta put it back up and then yeah. I'll let you try to Yeah. Like to. and I feel like that is the way Nora is. Did you identify with that with that like way of being in the world of just being uh protective of yourself and your feelings?
1: Oh yeah as an adult mm-hmm. as you know as a, I, as a human as a human person mm-hmm. a human person person mm-hmm. yeah i think that what is interesting about nora is she has that i guess freedom to exist within a full spectrum of i guess you, you are calling it male or a masculinity i understand why we are thinking in those kinds of um in those terms that kind of – what am I trying to say? Like the divide, qualifying it as like masculine versus feminine or something like that. Um, But what is really interesting about her and essential to her is she is – she's really – she's liberated from that kind of binary in thinking. Like she is so fully her own person. Yeah. Um, And often – and I feel this way about characters in stories that are – well, maybe having to comment or demonstrate something about their race or their identity, there's a lot of efforting that goes into having to constantly think about: Am I showing this the right, right way? Like for you know, or
3: to white people watching, like at home, like like this is Korea, sure, Korean, and so like just like take this in for a second, right? But yeah. like
1: also to other Asian people, mm-hmm. you could, to is anyone Korean else, yeah, or is like am I doing this right? And that kind of. Um, dance and navigating that I have had to do maybe in, in other circumstances. And I know other you know performers can relate to this. It, it takes up a, a lot of like resources, time uh, in space within a movie and also energetically for me. And mm-hmm. the thing that was really interesting about this was that I didn't have to do that. Yeah. And, with the freedom of not having to do that, it opened up a lot more space for everything else that you get to see. And I was so, oh gosh, I really feel that that is where we should be heading in terms of a story like this that is centered around a person who looks like me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really thrilling and and also then challenging because maybe on some level I'd been used to kind of like, let's just give the... I don't know, the Spark Notes version of, like, here is this kind of a woman. Do you uh, – can you digest this? Do you approve? Is this palatable? And this was something totally different.
3: Mm. Uh, one one of the things that moved me so much in the film, and I think <laughs> this is six-sense level plot twist of all time, mm-hmm. is that John Magaro is not the villain.
1: Right. Not
3: the villain in, in this know. story. And cried – twice in the movie and one is you two going to sleep in, in, mm-hmm. in the night and him talking about this place that's inside you that he can't get to and what and what it like shatters your heart and spirit and when I talk about like the play on masculine masculinity I'm talking about like he's a he's a man in the movie yeah and it there he I was I always want to be like – I want to be in the room where they pitch this. Like, okay, listen. It's two people that uh, they were kids together and then they go to different places and then they come back together and they're kind of in love with each other. But one of them is married. And you're like, oh, I've seen this movie before. Right, right. And then I'm like, I've never seen this movie before. Mm. I've never seen this. (laughs) I've never felt that, like, from the husband Mm -hmm. character, the other man and – then, it, then the movie changed. It wasn't me rooting for what I thought were the two to
1: yeah to end up together.
3: I was like, please, Nora, don't fuck this up. <laughs>
1: like, I love that you felt that way. I was like, oh god,
3: too you much. know
1: that was that's a big part of the movie that we wanted to to make. Um, the movie lives and dies on whether or not you believe that this marriage is legitimate and whether or not you can really fight for that marriage to succeed. Um, it would have been, I think arguably a much easier situation for Nora if she had a shitty husband, if she had a shitty husband, she
3: knows she knows what to do.
1: Yeah. It would be, it would be so clear. Um, and that is not the case here. And it makes it for a more, I think ultimately more relatable situation too. Um, even though we're used to seeing conventionally in a movie like this the opposite. Um, so yeah, John John McGarrow, he did such an amazing job. And, you know, it's especially since he's such a bad person in real life, yeah, actually. so like, you you that You know that took a lot of mm-hmm. acting to be able to portray that. The Daniel
3: Day-Lewis of our yeah. time, man. He
1: basically is. You it's a chameleon. Know? It's, it's just, a chameleon. <laughs> just kidding, John. Just kidding.
3: Uh, un- unrecognizable <laughs> in the role. That's what they say. <laughs> That's what the kids say nowadays. Um, looking at... Again, what your – I guess your – I don't say your life. That sounds so like <laughs> Let's final. Let's <begin> look my life. <laughs> yeah. No, like I guess what led you to this point in this movie. And I know there's a lot of things you, you can identify with with Nora and then obviously what, her upbringing and even the way she is in the world. One thing that I, I love a lot about the film is that she is – Reluctant to show people feelings, but she's also simultaneously the most assured person I probably have ever seen. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, yeah. Um, Again, being a human in the world, like we have our good and bad moments. But could you identify with when she? There's a scene when she's talking about, you know, when I when she's explaining to her husband uh, what it was like to see her childhood sweetheart uh, that. Uh, I felt less Korean but then I also weirdly feel more Korean and I I've always felt this as, as someone who's half Puerto Rican half black like I wasn't Puerto Rican enough for the Puerto Rican people yeah I wasn't black enough for the black people yeah I'm not white so I'm not white enough for the white people so you just kind of feel like that like, so
1: what are you gonna do where
3: am I culturally mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's an American right maybe yeah <laughs>
1: maybe but, <laughs> so that's exactly it though that yeah. that maybe what you just described whether you're black or Puerto Rican Korean German, maybe that essence is what it actually is to be American. Mm. That's just it. It That is not – like maybe that is the status quo now for more people. I mean oh, I don't want to like get into tricky waters here with mm-hmm. this. But I have always felt that my life as an American – I was born in L.A. Mm-hmm. Yes, my parents immigrated from Korea, but I'm thoroughly American. I had that experience of growing up and feeling – Not Korean at all, in you know, explicitly made to know just exactly how much I was not Korean enough. And also, I'm not American enough, all of that. But now, understanding in my adulthood that that is part of my experience here, and looking around and realizing and feeling less lonely, and this movie is part of it, in knowing that that is true for a lot of people. And it doesn't have to be about well you don't get me I am Asian American let me tell you what that is and it's not about that yeah. it's actually connecting with everyone over what that could feel like um, in terms of living this life here in this country I, I really feel like it's time now just to be like well that is what it is yeah. isn't it
3: and and there's something with Nora's physicality and I I really I. I pay attention to movies when I watch them, but there was this moment as I was watching uh when you two are sitting in front of the Merry Go Round. Mm, mm-hmm. Beautiful shot. Scene. Yeah, Xavier Kirchner. Oh, it's amazing. God, man. These I don't like any of these I, people. They're like just, they're just too
1: <laughs> I mean, are you familiar with this where he is like, just the, like he's incredible. Like
3: the, the movie is like uh, there's like a blue palette that's like all mm-hmm. over it that like it, the movie almost feels like it's in the ocean, but oh, like, yeah. like in a way, like it's 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 like it's it's one and untrained. I would say the untrained eye, like a normal, like my 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 family who are like very average Joe movie goers, like I can't t- take take to go see Past Lives because right. they'd be like, "What? Well, nothing the She's gonna kill him right, or whatever, right, right. you know?" But like, as I was wa- I was watching, I was like, "My God, like this." will seem so straightforward to him, but this is like one of the most beautifully shot movies I think I've seen. Yeah, but to
1: the point uh, we were just talking about in terms of identity and what an American movie is and this idea of... I mean, Chabier, the way he was shooting me, he was doing things like... Staring intently into my face and making sure that certain freckles were visible, Mm. and that seems like kind of like a superfluous thing. But what he was doing, I mean, I was going to say subconsciously or not, but this is very decisively Mm -hmm. planned. He was making sure that like that is part of me, my Americanness. If we were doing a Korean movie, you, I I am not going to be showing my freckles, God Mm. forbid. Like there are certain other conventions and. Idealized notions of what
3: beauty beauty
1: is, and so even that the way he was attuned to know we're, we need to make sure that this is part of it. Those details were so important to this. Mm,
3: that's it That's very yeah. But uh, with the physical part, like the way her, the way she leans back, the way she like even like there's a moment like where you like uh, come forward to. Like, I don't say you're hunched, but, like, you, you come forward to, like, uh, get a little closer to him, and uh, forgot what he's saying in that scene. But you actually come into center frame hmm. in, in the scene, and then I real like, it was like, she says so much. Nora tells me so much when she moves. Yeah. And I want to know if you were conscious of those beats of, like, how she physically carries herself in the world, or when she, or how she communicates. Right. When – with her body. In a way that's like – I I'm, it's a weird comparison. It's like Joaquin Phoenix and the Master kind Thank of thing. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> I have been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Wait, when will people finally, finally understand finally Joaquin
3: Phoenix that, and the Master. That is
1: the correct comp for yeah. me is Joaquin. Yeah. I mean I – you know, being the tremendous actor that I am, like yeah. Joaquin, every second, nanosecond of this movie was pre planned uh-huh. and predetermined, uh-huh. and it's a science.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, you lived as this woman for, for years. You know, you got years, into the role. Just, you know, you, yeah, you my, did all the method actor yeah, stuff. Yeah, just
1: not talking, just moving. You became a
3: playwright. My body, meaning
1: <laughs> certain ways again yep. and again. Um, we spoke. A lot, uh, Celine and I, about silence, the how silence operates within this movie, mm-hmm. um, because it is really, really different from what I had done, even right up until we started shooting. I think i come off of The Morning Show. I can't remember if it was Russian Doll or The Morning Show, but... Pacing-wise, too. There is no opportunity for silence. In fact, you are doing something wrong (laughs) if there's silence on a show like The Morning Show where it's a Sorkin-level kind of pacing. So in past lives, we were talking about the – well, the freedom to not speak and why that is necessary when we were trying to observe the complexity of – like. Really? Just human behavior. Um, And silence became sort of like our third language, if you will. Um, I grew up loving musical theater. And there's this thing that I learned in college when I was studying it, those moments theatrically when there's no other way to express what you need to say so you break out into song and dance in a way, silence operates that way in this movie. S- there are certain moments in life that I believe everyone can relate to. There's just, you, we don't have the human capacity yeah. to put into words what, what needs to be said. Um so silence can tell, that, it, tell yeah. it for you. And then, yeah. so, and that makes space for the physicality of what that would be. Um, and yeah, we do. Uh, we did all sorts of things in terms of, Accounting for the different periods of time, um, the ages. I was looking at uh, Sunga, the young actress who plays young Nora.
3: Oh, that wasn't you. That you didn't go full. Like, um,
1: I mean, it was grave? me. Yeah, sorry, yeah. it was me. <laughs> yeah. And what
3: you're <laughs> able to play any? Actually, indie.
1: I played. Oh, sorry. You know, I played all the roles. Uh, yeah. Uh, like it's a Tyler Perry <laughs> it's film. Just like I, the oh, wait. Yo, you, you didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now you know. <laughs> Um but the, of course there's certain physicalities that I wanted to just have not that I was trying to replicate them mm-hmm. but just to have um in the way she used to move her body with hung when you're children mm-hmm. and just to think about s- those kinds of mm-hmm. things and make sure that they are distinct from how she would move when she's with Arthur. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it was just I was th- I, I was trying to think back I was like I was really trying to focus on how she moved uh, – because obviously one of the early scenes is, like, uh, her being upset after yeah. uh, the grades. And I was thinking, I was like, like does she uh, – the movements are – like, there is familiar – I don't think I even, like, put that together. She
1: – she's an amazing actress. Wow. She uh, – and the way she was – with the young child actor who plays uh, young Hyun, wow. she like she is so uh, physical with him in a way that is hilarious yeah, to yeah. witness. Like she, it's just like she pokes and she can't not touch him in a way that was useful for later. Was that shot in the, Korea by
3: the way? Oh that, yeah, those sequences. There. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: awesome. Yeah.
3: Um, and by the way, just uh, another uh, nod to the silence is also just knowing when to insert the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Bear and Daniel Rosen, like those, like they 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 yeah. take a moment when they want to, and then they're just like, just, just. I think that was what brings a lot of the tears a lot mm-hmm. of times. Uh, but I was thinking, even when you when you're referring to Shabir and the way he uh, the way Shabir shoots. I'm reminded of uh, Small Axe.
1: Well, yeah. And how
3: that he every such an amazing uh, every every uh, one of the five, yeah, feel distinct, but mm-hmm. it also the same. They they feel they're a family, mm-hmm. but they're all different, and every time period feels different, yeah. but they feel the same.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I think they should make movies for a living. Those <laughs> those kids. Um. Le- uh. I want to give the opportunity to know you because this is a big breakout year for you uh, because you've been busy. You decided that in addition to delivering so far, hmm. one of the best performances of the year, oh, gosh. Uh, you know, say so far, one of mm-hmm. the best performances of the year. You said, all right, I'm going to see that, that I'm going to add in, a Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse voice <laughs> performance and a movie that closed uh, La Leaf, Problemista. Yeah. So you're just in the A24 family. You're just, <laughs> just feeling like <laughs> On their just, payroll. Yeah, you're on their payroll. Like, I, ah, I, th- I
1: should just worked there. I should work at their office. It's just uh, I'm,
3: I'm, like Work there as long as you want forever. <laughs> um, we don't get to – you know what's interesting? This is now two years – like – I hate putting it this way, but we have to like kind of spill a note for uh, <clears throat> white Hollywood. Like, you know, we're we are in an Asian uh, boom at the moment that we, we are, are that we are seeing more. <laughs> I would say, you know, I'm i using the word boom and I need uh, Hollywood to not say that means we're done and that like racism's over. Right. Is that that, you know, we are like we got Parasite and that felt great. Minari came and that was great. Michelle Yeoh last year and everything everywhere all at once and mm-hmm. that was great and we, we it it's like three's a trend but I also as we see we're talking on the day that affirmative action was taken down by the Supreme Court we know nice. that even our most established things can be taken at, at any given moment where. D- Last year, Hong Chao was in like three or four movies, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, and she she's sat exactly where you are sitting. And I was oh, like, really? and I'm I was honored like, to be sitting in. Yeah, <laughs> sure she was really and I was like, I never thought I'd see you this much, and like it, it, it was like, and, and sometimes I feel very hopeful for the industry, and there are times I'm like, how oh, they suck, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting a lot of Greta Lee this mm-hmm. year. Did you ever think you were going to have a lot of Greta Lee in a single outing? Because you said that at the beginning of this, you're used to like not getting the job.
1: Yeah. So, no, um, I – this was not planned. I think also the way – You, you know, didn't plan
3: on being super successful in Hollywood? Uh, <laughs>
1: still, like, am I? Am I? I you know I, I walked in here covered in my, <laughs> my child's seaweed snack well, all over be my a, sweatshirt. That's just being a parent. Right. Um, I don't know. I think in a way it doesn't feel so different than how it's always been in that this – I mean – I hope this doesn't sound like a bogus answer, but it's just, it's always about you, you just do your best with the job that you're given. I care about just doing a good job, yeah. right? And I have no idea when things are going to come out. You are powerless in terms of how things will turn out. Um, and so now that these are all coming out this year, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I hope then, you know, There'll be more next year. <laughs> I hope it's not. Yeah, it, it, like it's a scheduling thing. Yeah. Um and there will. I, I know there there's gonna be more stuff next year. Um, but but yeah, it's um if you can't tell, I'm I'm also still kind of processing like, wait, what's happening? Like so we like got
3: two movies out at the same time in theaters. Come?
1: Yeah. I mean like,
3: literally I went to – I saw this uh in Sherman Oaks and Spider Man. Yeah, wow. past lives, yeah. Like, right next to each other.
1: Yeah. They premiered on the same day too. And I was joking with Phil and Chris. I was like, so sorry, I can't. I was joking with the A24 folks, like, so I got to go to the Spider Man (laughs) premiere. No, it's such, I mean, come on. It's such a privilege. I can't pretend like I don't know what it's like not to have certain opportunities. And all you can do is make the best of them without also feeling entitled to them like i i never feel like oh because i was robbed of certain chances like i'm owed this like not no. at all you know if you've been at it for this long you know that opportunities like this it, it, everyone experiences the same level of like gosh you know it's like viola davis saying you're only as good as your opportunities and that yeah. is true for everyone no matter who you are
3: do you feel again? i project my own feelings on you here. Go ahead. There came a moment where I started here, mm-hmm. and I was like, I tried so long to get to some to do something like this, right? Mm-hmm. And when you get it, there's just always like you. You're never like I made it because you never want to say that out loud because mm-hmm. there's always that underlying fear, like God, this is going. I know this is going to end like tomorrow because because mm-hmm. it just, it doesn't happen. For people like us, it doesn't yes. happen for me like that. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you, what do you do with that crippling anxiety? I guess and therapy,
1: martinis and pizza. I mean,
3: pizza from New York, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. 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 I, I get up? it flown in. Um, <laughs> Please don't let me in this interview. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know what's up. Right. Um, yes. So you do. You do like have. Of
1: course. Of at course. At this moment. I'm feeling... are you, at this
3: moment, are you like? Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: You know, and that is, I understand what you mean by people, outsider, people with, people with outsider statuses, that feeling, but again, most, from my experience, most of my peers have that feeling Mm. of like, okay, I had this great thing, when's the other shoe going to drop? Like, what, like, because the nature of, of the business, it is what it is, so for me, it's I I have I'm grateful that whatever's happening, whatever this is, is happening now. I yeah. mean, I'm I'm 40. You know, I got two kids. I've I'm been 39 doing... on,
3: on Saturday. Oh really? Yeah, oh my gosh! Great. See, like so we're, we're we're there. We're there, like,
1: and we're... that that is a, that that makes a difference. Yeah. You know, and I I do feel like I am able to work more from a place of peace where it doesn't feel like spiteful or like I have this chip on my shoulder about things that are outside of my control. And I know too that the thing that I can do first and foremost is just show up. Show up for the chance that I get when the ball comes my way, grab it and do everything I can with it and now I'm about to expose how little I know about sports when I'm like, you know, that round thing you, when it comes you to your You know when way? they
3: touch down in baseball? Yeah, and you stuff. just like, kiss it.
1: You, you, like, you, know, you just say pour on your head.
3: and, <laughs> and yeah, you just get it out there. Uh, so a few fun questions. We're done uh, trying to be all spiritual. And, okay, and, and cool, and cool. To Yeah, forget thing it. In the moment. Um, what's the movie that did it for you? Like, what what do you remember watching when you were a kid that you were like, I want to do that?
1: When I, I was a kid? A <sighs> Okay. I, this is I. Okay. I had mentioned this before, but it the movie. Do you know the movie The Saint with Val yeah, Kilmer? Yes. And yes. The, the shoe. Nineteen
3: ninety-seven. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. So I was a kid watching that movie, and I I watched so Val Kilmer and just like. Yeah, I mean, I think I must have watched it a little later than that because that was pretty young for me. But when I watched that movie and I watched Val Kilmer do that, I felt like this undeniable sense of like, wait a minute, I want to do that, which doesn't make like immediate no, sense to people. But I sense. felt like also as a young girl growing up in a household that I did in the society that I was growing up in, I felt like that, like, to be Val Kilmer is freedom. <laughs> I was like, that I, That to me was, like, the be-all, end-all of athleticism and performance, skill, um, and, like, an unbridled joy. Like, it seemed so gleeful what he was doing. And it was so entertaining. And I just felt like, as a little girl, like, I want to do that. I'm about that. It's
3: so – like I'm saying I, – I say this to many people here often. I was, I was actually saying this to Gina Prince-Bythewood last year. And I was like how much – I was gushing about how much I love Love in basketball, mm-hmm. and Basketball. And – I had met (laughs) – this is a terrible story to tell, but I met Omar Epps because he used to live in the complex I lived in around that time. Yeah. And it was like right – it was like right in between love and basketball and higher learning. So Uh Omar Epps was like Omar Epps at that point. And this little 12-year-old boy went to his apartment. Yeah. Knocked on the door and asked him for an autograph because I was like, I really like that. I love you and Juice and blah, blah blah. And then he like signed, like he like he looked really annoyed by it. Yeah. By the, but he like signed it. He like gave me an autograph and said, "Okay, thanks." Close the door. But you don't know what your contribution to cinema mm-hmm. do for anyone yeah like and the saint by the way it's it's a Razzie award winner totally. like like people think it's trash and i love that movie i'll punch people love in the it. face you, I love this you scene.
1: know i got my husband gave me a, a dvd copy of the saint as part of our wedding gift like he like that's how much i love that movie
3: i love give you a dvd copy I by know, the way because physical media forever
1: You know uh tv show oh. did it for you
3: um Morning Show season one.
1: <laughs> yeah, just on <laughs> repeat yeah. on a loop. <laughs> I guess I like I'm thinking about I was in in a 90s kid. So it was, you know, full house all the way. Um, boy meets
3: world. Yeah.
1: Wayne's world. And then a little bit more of a, I wait. said
3: boy meets world, not Wayne's world. Boy
1: meets boy, world. Boy, oh, and, and then Wayne's world. W- but also w- Wayne's w- w- world, because yeah, Tia Carrera for me it was seminal. Oh I was like, Oh my God. That's who my ex wife. Is that, to, yeah. Uh, my wife. Young,
3: when I was younger. Oh, your current wife. I mean, you, we you, could find her. So over that's why her. she left me for you. To get, yeah. There you but <laughs> I
1: thought like that was really radical at the time. You know, she was, that was such a, she was amazing. Um, yeah. I think. It's just seeing families, American families on TV yeah. um, was a big part of my growing up and and also just observing like, oh, I want to be part of this um, this like how great it's like the sense of belonging if you if you can be part of like the reflecting back to people of what it is to be alive like that it is validating as a kid.
3: Um, who do you want to work with? who should I text and say you should hire Greta for something?
1: There's so many people I want to work with. And I I'm such an actors actor. I I love actors. I like they are I love actors so much because for me it just my job I've realized is like if I'm with another actor I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously not fully true. But mm-hmm. so much of it is, is just receiving you know, the other person and listening. Like, when you're first starting out, you have this idea of like, I need to go to set and prepare something mm-hmm. mega. Like, I need to invent the craft. I need to show something that hasn't been seen before. And then you realize oh, time right. and time again after years, like, oh, no, my job is to know my lines, know what, where my marks are, and listen so to the you, other person.
3: you didn't give the answer that I wanted to hear. Oh, you uh, want yeah. it? It literally came to me after the movie was over, because I, I cast people and stuff all the time. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want you to work with this person and that bird, blah, blah, blah. And I came out of that movie, and I was like, please work with Andre Holland.
1: <gasps> yeah.
3: Do a love story with Andre Holland, I would lose my face.
1: That, well, that would be amazing. I mean, yeah, okay, done. So, okay, good. Yeah, let's no. just do that.
3: <laughs> uh, and directed by, like, see, if I say Richard Linklater, it's going to feel so obvious. cuz I like?
1: Barry Jenkins.
3: Listen, Barry can do whatever the hell he wants. He like Barry, I tell Barry, I, I tell him, please hurry up with the Lion King, He's, so we can just get to the next he big Barry. Certainly
1: joint. can. I mean, I Beale Street.
3: That's one uh, that's my favorite movie of the decade.
1: I watched that movie. I want. I don't want to say it was in preparation for past lives, but that was such a um, prime example of love. Just pure love. Just,
3: I cried in the opening shot of that oh, movie. So much. I'm sorry, that that I I, I I told Barry this before. I was like, listen, I know like I love Moonlight. I love it. I'm, listen, I'm the awards editor. So Moonlight means so much to me in the Oscar echo chamber. But yeah. Beale Street, like,
1: oh think, yeah, it,
3: it changed it changed my DNA.
1: Yeah, like, forever. Me too. It Agreed. was great.
3: Uh, so yeah, directed by Barry Jenkins. The, the, Audrey's worked with him already, so yeah, mm, okay, we'll, we'll okay. find we'll find someone good. Okay. Um And then last question, because uh, you know I have to, because the stands will be upset. What well, can you tell us about Morning Show season three?
1: Okay, so it premieres. It's about, it's about well, okay, uh, okay. How much time do we have? Yeah. Um, well, so it's coming out in September. We have some new exciting additions to our cast. We have John Ham coming in. Uh, Tig Notaro is with us. How
3: hammy is Ham?
1: Oh, mega hammy! Pretty hammy. The hammiest of hams. He is like like like
3: hammy bridesmaids or like hammy like tag. I was watching tag the other day. By the way, it's one of my guilty
1: pleasures. (laughs) I I know
3: it's like so problematic, but it's actually really good. Tag directed by
1: Jeff. Um, Jeff. Sorry, I'm blanking on your name. But but anyways. Yeah, John John is joining us as um, – a, 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 it's like, what can I even say? How can I not give away anything? I'll, what I can say, it is a beast. A lot happens. I remember halfway through or towards the end doing a scene with Reese where we kind of – we were just doing that thing where we were rehashing the moment before everything that has happened leading up to that moment and the – list of what had already happened halfway through felt so insane that we had like a really big laugh about it.
3: It is so great to watch you do mental gymnastics right now to not say words. <laughs> I'm sweating. Word. I know. <laughs> I'm like like going to let we, you up though, but I've never uh, seen someone like
1: – End yeah. up on a farm and then like John plays a cow. There is a building, or, right? Sorry, a there's pig. a There's a building
3: yeah, in the movie. There are several you, buildings. we walk into You them. will see them. Um, and what are you working on next? Is there anything you can? Is there anything you could share with us? No. Is there anything you would like to share with
1: us? Yes, <laughs> is, but I can't.
3: Well, we know you have Spider Man next year.
1: Yeah, Spider Man's yeah. coming out, so we
3: know that for okay. sure.
1: So you can have that. Okay. Um. Oh no, Audrey Holland joint. Oh, not that I know of. Mm. Although maybe we've just willed that to be.
3: That's gonna it's gonna be so awesome when it happens. Like, <laughs> listen, I just need. to – Let me just put this out there right now. If you do a movie with Andre Holland, yeah. and you win an Academy Award for that movie, okay. If I if you don't then say my name, if you don't say my name yep. up there,
1: okay, deal. Uh, like, what if I don't say anything else? I just say your just name. Say Clayton, over and over and, over and again. then people know. Yeah,
3: just know that it was born here. Great. Um, I was looking. I was looking at your. I am see if there's anything or No, there's nothing. Okay. There's nothing. There's nothing, oh, there's nothing. announced. There's nothing. Nothing announced. Yeah, when is this
1: airing again? Or when the end we? of July? Oh, yeah.
3: No, well, no, 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 no. Airing? No. No, no. Airing like September.
1: Right, right, right. But, but this conversation but, but, oh, is... the, writ,
3: the written piece will be in September. Oh, okay. But I can okay. Hold, but I can well hold, then – But I can hold this up if you want me to, if you were going to tell me.
1: I don't know. I don't think I can. Okay, fine. I mean I
3: – we'll, we'll, we'll talk separately. Yeah,
1: there's some very, very – Interesting. Very exciting things. <laughs> Can I just say very a couple yeah, more times? Very. There's some new Are you
3: doing a Bloodsport remake? Yes. <laughs> I, showed friend, I showed my friend I showed my friend for the first time. Uh-huh. And I was like, listen, man, this is this is casual American racism. <laughs> like eighties racism, which I think is the most acceptable racism you can watch. Yep. Rebecca, <laughs> back in the day, i like, I promise you it's entertainment. Right. And we watched it together. And i I'd never I've been watched as an adult with another adult who it's their first time. So I was ready for him like punch me. Mm-hmm. The joy. mm mm-hmm. he, Like, he was like, who's Bolo? And I was like, stop it. He's a national treasure. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van is a national treasure. Or he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else you'd like to tell me
1: about um, life? No, no, just that I'm so happy to be here. And it does feel surreal and, and lovely to be here because of this movie, because of past lives.
3: Pre-SAG strike, maybe.
1: Ooh, yes.
3: Oh, yeah. that's the well, last what? question. Thoughts on strikes uh, with writers, SAG, life? Because right now, time of recording, uh, WJ is still on strike. DJ has cut a deal and SAG is looming in two days.
1: Right. I am a member of both unions. So I am fully in support. um, Fully. I mean, it really is that simple. And um, I am hopeful for some sort of resolution And also willing to, you know, go the distance to get there, um, as hard as this is and impactful to so many people for so many different reasons. So, my heart goes out to everyone. And, you know, it's like we got to keep going.
3: Definitely true. You're going to direct anything?
1: You know, I like that question. I think so. I do. Um, but. You have
3: the look of like, I know what it is (laughs) that I want to direct, but maybe it, is it the, do you, do you know what it is? Like, do Uh, you know what you want to direct? No. No. But you know you want to direct.
1: And that answer is something that is like an ever moving target. I really love acting a lot. Um, and I love to write too. And I. There are so many directors that I'm excited about working with that I don't know. It really has to be the right thing. You know, I don't want to do it just to, like, check a box at all. Like, I did
3: the director.
1: Yeah, like, that's not – that's boring. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Love you lots. Love you.
3: That's Greta Lee, star of Past Lives, not to mention The Morning Show, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and so much more these days. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis.